0: Today on TechNATO, we've got a lot of security news to talk about, as well as a Bitcoin tragedy. We also have an interview with a Microsoft MVP. That's all coming up on the Technado, starting right now. Hello and welcome to Technado. I'm your host, Peter Van Rysdam, and joined today by Don Pazette, because we're here in Don's office, and also a uh, familiar face for those of you who have been uh, loyal viewers and listeners uh, <laughs> Cherokee Boost Cherokee how do you do to the traders good yeah, <laughs> yeah, there's yeah a lot of traders out there for first timers we welcome you though as well so uh, and we've got uh, we've got a great interview today we've got another Microsoft MVP uh, Cherokee and I were talking about uh, earlier we've we're kind of the place now that all the Microsoft MVPs want to go and and hang out it's like Ignite <laughs> and then here on Technica, so. uh,
1: yeah uh huh
2: that's
0: it. <laughs> That's a rousing uh, approval from Cherokee, uh, but we do have a lot of news to get to and a uh, pretty full show, so let's just jump right uh, right to it. So uh, this is kind of a follow up from something we talked about last week over on CDNet. Uh Security firm identifies the hacker behind the Collection One leak as Collections Two through Five become public. So. Wait, how many collections are there? <laughs>
2: apparently, we have no idea. At least five. <laughs> <laughs> you would think if there was a collection, they would have collected everything together into one, but no, sure. a, apparently it uh, takes it's a few tries. that rest. much data. <laughs> so it needs needs volumes be, yeah, are they out. just
1: discovering them incrementally, like yeah. each individual breach? Is that what's happening?
2: Well, so it, it's, it's many different breaches. So when we reported on this last week, uh, we were talking about all the different sources. Some of them were several years old. Some were really current. Some of these are brand new. Uh, and what's happening is an attacker... Or, a, a hacker, whatever, is collecting the data, putting it together into this big archive, and posting it on mega links. Nice. And the mega service, it's most of it is not indexed by Google, so you have to kind of know the link to get there. But once people find it, they then have access to this treasure trove of data, and four more collections have been released that way. Uh, they say they've identified who the, the hacker is, but it's really, they, they put a fake name on it. Uh, it's a hacker going by the moniker of Corpse, C-O-R-P-Z, Uh, which I don't don't know if that's supposed to be like Corpse Dead Body or Corpse Corporation. (laughs) Um, Hard to say. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) But but they don't actually know who it is. So what kind
1: of information was it that was leaked?
2: Most of it is user credentials. It's a username, password. Uh, Some of it's encrypted. A lot of it's decrypted. Uh, Some of it, they did rainbow tables against it to to dehash the passwords. Hmm. Uh, There is other, I mean, just personally identifiable information. And it's from a a, a number of different sources. The information varies widely. So I just checked all
0: of all, uh, my email addresses on have I been pwned, uh, dot com and and I am in the clear.
2: No way. Yeah. How are you in the clear? Because, Don, huh. I care about security. Well, so about, uh, I don't know, eight years ago, there was the big Adobe breach, and everybody's in the Adobe breach. How you, Did you not use Adobe products eight years ago? Uh, n- not officially. Oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, this is another morality story here, right? If you're a paying customer, you get screwed. Exactly. <laughs> That's why you got to know better than that. No, I was a student eight years
0: ago oh. of life. That's <laughs> yes, the justification so that I would use.
1: I had to check now because I know there's this one particular email address that I have that I've had since high school. Um, Ten breach sites for this email. Um, this is my spam email, you know, the one that you always give to people. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That'll come out in leak six.
2: <laughs> I have... I have email addresses. I have my, my Hotmail address that I got the year the Hotmail company launched. Yeah, this uh, one is
1: MSN. Uh, so, so uh, yeah. That, that's
2: pretty yeah. old. I wonder
0: if my CompuServe has
2: been hacked. And those, uh, it's, it's practically a guarantee. It's not yeah. even worth searching on the list anymore. <laughs> yeah, I knew.
1: I knew. That's why I was like, I wonder how many times because it's – Inevitable
2: at this point. (laughs) It's a sad state of affairs, but uh, but yeah. So anyhow, data hoarders releasing even more information. So it's uh, you know we did already report on it once, but it's worth reporting again. These are massive collections of data. Uh, They list on ZDNet the sizes of these. The first one that was released was 87 gigs of data. Uh, The follow-ups we've got 528 gigs in collection two, 37 gigs in collection three, 178 gigs. I mean we're we're creeping up on a terabyte of breach data here, all collected together into one piece, uh, in one place. So, if you haven't changed your passwords yet, now's a great time to get in there and do it. And by the
0: way, my other best practice is I always use someone else's credit card when I shop at Target. That's good. So I've never uh, had my my data stolen. You know, I, I
1: just don't shop at Target. I'll do it too. I, I go in for like one item and come out with two hundred dollars worth of items. I did see a, uh, a. I can't deal with that a bird box <laughs>
0: meme with. With the kids all with the blindfolds I, I saw and things. I like, No, yeah. we're just here for toilet paper at Target.
1: Go somewhere else. Exactly. Save yourself. Yeah,
0: they have toilet paper lots of places. Yeah.
3: Like Amazon. You can
0: expand your carbon footprint by having them drive a truck all the way to your house just for your toilet paper. I like that. Options. As long as you don't need the toilet paper in less than two full days. Dis- yeah. Full
1: disclosure, I just had toilet paper delivered the other day.
2: What I really the
0: did. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's uh, <laughs> look over at another article that uh, relates back to something we talked about last week with the Apple FaceTime. Um, bug or opportunity, depending on uh, if you're a hacker or <laughs> <opportunity>. uh, <laughs> a user. Uh, so, Apple iOS 12.1.4 uh, release has a nasty surprise. So, is this the release
2: that's supposed to fix the issue, and it, it has its own <laughs> yeah. surprise? So, this is a, this article comes from Forbes, and they do a, a segment. It's called "What Is It Called? Um, Great Secret Features and Nasty Surprises." That's the name of the, the article. So, it's it's sensationalized quite a bit. Uh, Apple had promised to have an update out last week to fix the FaceTime bug that we reported on. And they didn't. Uh, <laughs> the fix did come out this week, though. So that's one of our nasty surprises that it came out late. Uh, the other thing is that they've announced that they are not they are not able to go back and fix previous versions of iOS. We knew that. That's why they shut off the FaceTime uh, group calling. Well, they've now announced that this fix has come out. And if you don't upgrade, that's it. You get no uh, group calling for FaceTime anymore. So um, oh, that's, no. that's really – well
1: – I've never group called on FaceTime.
2: You know, it's a fairly new feature. I think you know, most people haven't, but the fact that it's, it's there, as it's people learn about it, they want to use it, it's something okay. they, they pay for when they buy the service, so yeah. you might as well uh, take advantage of it. But the the interesting thing here is that uh, this update, we've seen Apple has gotten really kind of unstable with their updates. And, and I know you, Peter, you are one of those people who does not update their laptop the, no, the moment s- an update comes out from Apple because you've gotten burned on it too many times, right?
0: Yeah, because I want to use my second monitor. For, yeah. That was the big one for the <laughs> longest time. And so, uh, so I did not update. And then I think the next one, did, did we determine if it if that works? in the, What are we on now? Hi Sierra?
2: No. Oh, yeah. I know the, the Display Link drivers were a man. problem. And they, they finally fixed them under Mojave. Because
0: I want dark mode.
2: But then, then the next update will come out and it'll probably break <laughs> it again. So people have started to learn. Don't update when Apple yeah. tells you to update, and here they're saying you either update or you lose this feature. The feature is gone to you now, so uh, so that's a big a big deal for people who who may have been using that. It's a big dilemma for middle schoolers. All I was over just the about world. to say this really brings <laughs> me
1: back to like three way calling on a landline, and I learned my lesson then. So yeah. why even?
0: Now I, I want to <laughs>
2: know what was that lesson <laughs> exactly?
0: <laughs> 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 when they say they hang up, they're not hanging up.
2: Exactly. <laughs>
0: My, uh, the only time I've done a group FaceTime uh, is with my daughter. She wanted to see how many people she could get in it, so she just went down every contact. So oh, I'm in a, f- I am was in a group FaceTime with uh, my nieces and then like half of Abby's class, and I'm just like, okay, this... I'm leaving this now. I I don't know why I'm here. How did it perform? Did it, it work well? It performed or? great, yeah. yeah. How many
1: people do you think were in there?
0: There was a point where uh, there were like 17, wow. I think, is what, what we were up to. But hmm. not everyone was answering smart. Smart. Uh, but now they don't have to. We can just <laughs> add them anyway uh, if they haven't uh, updated. And and you had an interesting bug you were talking about that uh, that I hadn't heard about as well. It was, this is an Apple device as well? Yeah. what was that
1: um i missed a call from a number that i didn't know and then i as soon as the call like you know stopped ringing i got a notification a reminder to call them back so it was like a spam reminder and i looked on apple's site and they basically said you just move the notification you create a temper like a temporary calendar move it over delete it from there to delete them i'm like it's mm. a lot of effort yeah no so, so look for that fix
0: in 12.1.15 <laughs> <laughs> uh coming soon to an unstable uh phone near you so. with dark mode <laughs> yeah but still better than the pixel all right uh <laughs> let's move over now to uh let's see we're on brew.sh um, sh sh or what is, is
2: homebrew? You know I, I, know, I don't know what country that is. And you know, a good question about homebrew. So uh, yeah. this is one of those news articles that is, is important to me, but maybe not <laughs> important to everybody. <laughs> uh, if you've watched any of my Mac shows, uh, then you'll know that Apple has been slowly killing off the macOS server app. Uh, it's been kind of dwindling each each iteration and getting less and less functionality. So we're we're kind of in a place where now if you run a Mac server... You have to install software from somewhere else. And the, the, the number one go-to place to get software for Macs right now, after the Apple store, uh, is the Homebrew app. So if you install the Homebrew app, you can quickly install any of a number of GNU utilities. If you want to install MySQL or bring up an Apache web server Nginx, it's super easy using hmm. Brew it's really hard using any other method. So for developers that work on Macs, Brew is a, uh, an essential tool. Uh, and, and even just for regular people, if you want to quickly install apps, Brew really helps. Well, Brew 2.0 came out, and I've used it on Macs for years. Uh, I use it in our shows. It's a, you know, an important part of my workflow. And so when 2.0 was announced, I said, well, I wonder what's new. And I was really surprised to see the big thing that's new in Brew 2.0, which is Windows and Linux support. That you can now run Homebrew under Linux to install apps the same way as well as Windows. So they're really branching out there, which is cool. Uh, this this has been a really big part of working on a Mac for a long time. It hasn't been a big part of the Linux world, where you've already got repositories available that you can get apps from, and and, and they're pretty full. But in the Windows world, there hasn't been a great way to do it, and and there was the the chocolatey. Uh, software Manager came out for a while, and then Microsoft rolled theirs out. The name is eluding me. Do you remember it, Cherokee? For, from PowerShell, you can install third-party apps. Uh, I don't know. I don't, don't feel bad. I can't remember it either, which shows how amazingly successful <laughs> it was. Uh, it was one of the big launch features of Windows 10 uh, was that they had this command-line interface you could install third-party software from. Uh, so in that world, it keeps changing year after year, and it looks like Homebrew is, is slowly winning out as becoming the the best way to... Manage installing software from the command line.
0: Well, I, I don't um, care about homebrew, so I spent <laughs> the time looking up the SH uh, domain. Um, so I'll give a little trivia uh, to all of you. It is the uh, top-level domain for St. Helena, Ascension, and Tristan da Cunha, British Overseas Territories that are off the west coast of Africa. Um, but right. the interesting thing is it's also noted here that uh, SH... Um, where is the... German one. It, there's a German province as well that uses it. Ah, yes. Uh, the it's, it's the official abbreviation for the German federal state of Schleswig Holstein, uh, and so uh, they'll use that as well um, for like their public transportation site. It's Good. N a h dot
2: s h. Well, I'm sure the homebrew project uses it because when you write bash shells, uh, uh, bash scripts, you'll end them in dot s h. So that's probably why they picked it. Um, but yeah, I had no idea that country codes. There are so many crazy countries that are out there, and well, I mean, like we we use .tv for some of our stuff, and we that's do. Tuvalu, right? Uh, a yep. country whose primary export right now is the it's .tv domain names. <laughs> yeah, they're like, all right, <laughs> we hit
0: the lottery. Oh they there are probably countries changing their names now <laughs> to uh, figure out ways that they would get a good yeah. top level domain. <laughs> Uh, All right, uh, let's switch over now to Naked Security by Sophos. Uh, We've got an article about Microsoft Azure data deleted because of a DNS outage. So you put your stuff in the cloud, assuming that it is safe there, but uh, are we wrong, Don?
2: You're wrong. You're very, very wrong. <laughs> uh, so, this, this, uh, this incident happened last week, uh, or actually just a couple of days ago, and uh, it really highlighted one of the issues that you can run into with automation and relying on cloud services. Now, the important thing here, and what's not in the headline, is, yes, data was deleted and lost out of Azure, but it was recovered very, very quickly, and they had a five-minute backups on this data. So it was less than five minutes of data that was actually lost. That doesn't excuse it, but like they had plans in place to recover from this. But basically what happened is in Azure, they have a service called Transparent Data Encryption, TDE, and it allows you to create databases and apply encryption, but your clients don't have to worry about it. The encryption is all handled by the database itself. So that's why they call it Transparent. And it relies on private keys, that it locates through doing lookups through DNS, and there was a DNS failure from a. And this I thought was really weird was that Azure was leveraging an external DNS provider, not one of their own. Um, maybe they do that for redundancy. I'm not sure. It Seems like they'd want to use their own DNS. Uh, CenturyLink. System. Oh, it was CenturyLink. Mm-hmm. All right, well, at least to somebody big. Uh, but for some reason, uh, their their connection to CenturyLink or the CenturyLink DNS server failed. Something caused them not to be able to do the lookup. So when the TDE processes did a lookup to find the key, they couldn't find the key, so they assumed the key was deleted. And if you have encrypted data with no key, it's useless. And so Microsoft has cleanup tasks that say once the key is gone, we blow away the databases because we don't need them anymore because you can't decrypt them so they can't be used. And so that's exactly what happened. They had automated scripts that wiped out live production customer databases and, uh, and, and knocked it out. And once they found out what happened, they were able to fail DNS back over to their, their own DNS servers. And then once that was done, they restored the deleted databases off of those five-minute backups that I mentioned, and everything came back up. But it was a pretty decent-sized outage, and it kind of highlighted the fact that when you're dealing with the cloud, a lot of the complex pieces behind the scenes are hidden from mm-hmm. you. You know, you don't have to worry about them, but that doesn't mean they can't go wrong they can't right. fail. Like You can't trust the cloud to be this perfect solution all the time.
1: Um, so maybe they would want to go ahead and revisit that policy for the encryption there, because I know like with certain other um, clustering, for instance, I feel like uh, previ- like when it initially was being used and they would go ahead and uh, um, uh, evict a particular node um, due to lack of heartbeat responses or something, they started to... Uh, make allowances for that so that it gives some time. So um, not to be so aggressive with removing a a system or service if someone was still depending on it.
2: Yeah, I I see this with automated failover a lot. Like when you have a disaster recovery site, you might have a little blip on the radar. And that doesn't necessarily mean you want to fail over to DR because it's really, it's a pain in the butt to fail back and get it back into your regular production environment. So it'd be better to just say, look, I can handle the 10 seconds of downtime or whatever, right? That doesn't need to trigger a failover. So that's a, that's a pretty complex thing because there's not a like one solution fits every situation. So it just has to be evaluated. In this case, Microsoft has obviously addressed the issue and, and, and worked through it, but it should send a message to everybody, not, not just about Azure, but about AWS, about Google Compute, that all of them are really marrying tons and tons of different technologies behind the scenes, and any one of them can lead to cascading failures. So having some kind of redundancy set up either between cloud providers or between you and on-prem can really be a, a benefit, especially in scenarios like these. Which yeah. is why I write down all my encryption keys on Post-its
0: and put them next to my passwords. Yeah, yeah. DNS <laughs> failure isn't going to affect that, is it? Yeah. No. <laughs> I'm set. Uh, all right, let's switch over now to Rapid7's blog. Uh, understanding Ubiquity Discovery Service Exposures. Um, that's always been a problem for me understanding those. So um, done, maybe uh...
1: exposures in general, or just no. This expo- one <laughs> but,
2: um, sure. <laughs> so a couple of days ago, uh, here on January 29th, there we go. Um, so actually, that's nine days ago. They uh, there was a flaw announced on Ubiquity routers, and Ubiquity is a company. I think they're based out of Texas. They make um, really corporate or enterprise grade routers and, and switches, and a lot of wireless. But it's all inexpensive, so they, they try and, and address that market where they give you really good hardware but at a, a lower price. No, no, I sound like a commercial. But uh, uh, anyhow, they had a flaw in their router software where an attacker could basically do a, uh, uh, a reflection attack, where they could send a small amount of data, and the router would reply back with a large amount of data. Now, an exploit hasn't actually been written yet, so this was a proof of concept. The vulner- vulnerability was discovered. And Ubiquity has since pushed out an update uh, to be able to fix that. And, uh, and you know, honestly, it's something you can block on a firewall anyway. So this isn't really an issue if you've got the proper protection in place. But because Ubiquity equipment is low cost... There's a lot of small and medium businesses that use it, and they don't properly configure it. And so that means they're vulnerable. And so what Rapid7 did is they did a big write-up on exactly how the vulnerability works. And I thought that was really interesting because a lot of times we, we learn about a vulnerability. Like, hey, here's this attack that's coming in on port ten thousand and one. You need to block port ten thousand and one. Okay, we can do that, but... How did it work? How did it actually do what it said it did? Uh, and the Rapid7 write-up, uh, like I said, if you get a chance, take take the time to read it because it explains exactly how this attack works. And they even did a Shodan search to be able to try and find how many Ubiquity routers were out there that could potentially be e- exploited, and they found over 500,000 devices that were out there like that. Uh, we actually have a Ubiquity router here in the building, and I took a look at it to make sure that it, it wasn't uh, affected, and it was interesting because Ubiquity routers, they treat all their interfaces equally. They don't say, like, this is an internet interface, this is a LAN interface. They treat them all the same, which is how a router should be. And if you don't pay attention, it's providing access to its administrative interface on all of the interfaces. So an outside person, somebody on the internet, could browse to the login screen on your Ubiquity router. And if you haven't changed the password, they could log in and, and reconfigure mm-hmm. it. Uh, you have to create a firewall rule inside of the router that blocks that access. And if you don't do it, you're vulnerable. And so there are a ton of routers out there right now that are vulnerable to this attack. It's only a matter of time before somebody actually writes an exploit to take advantage of this. So if you're using Ubiquity routers in production, you ultimately should apply the Ubiquity update. But if you're hesitant to do that, at a minimum, you need to create a firewall rule on the router blocking access to the to the admin interface of that router, or at least TCP port ten thousand and one, or I'm sorry, UDP port ten thousand and one, to stop that traffic from getting in.
0: Do we need to do a, a timeout while well, you patch ours? Or oh, we're we're good. <laughs> we're patched.
2: Yep. Yep. Okay. But, you know, we we actually weren't vulnerable in the beginning uh, anyway. One because it's a secondary router, but but also because we had that that rule in place blocking that traffic. Because you know, we think about that stuff. We 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 uh, as an IT company, we think about security more, right? But imagine you're a a donut shop or mm-hmm. uh, a dentist office. You, you get the router, you pop it in, it works. You don't think about that stuff, and that that's where that's where you're going to see the most. Yeah. Uh, you probably weakness. didn't change the default password either. Not if it worked. Yeah, right. You know, if you plug it in and it works, then that's it. We're
0: set. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's move over now to uh, CNBC. Not something we uh, typically look at, but they've got an inter- interesting story here on Slack. Uh, Slack is setting itself up for the 3.5 trillion dollar healthcare sector. So
2: uh, basically, it looks like the the, the big move here is that they added HIPAA compliance. Yeah, so you know, Slack allows you to easily collaborate. Uh, you can exchange information very quickly. I mean, These commercials are great, Tom, yeah, that I you're know. doing today. I mean, I'm in commercial mode yeah. today. We, honestly, we should get paid for some of this stuff. If I act now, <laughs> do I get two slacks? But uh, really all it is, is is an IRC server that's been prettied up uh, at the end of the day, Slack really isn't all that impressive as far as hardware is concerned or uh, technology is concerned. Oh, the ad's uh, over. I know. No, I'm <laughs> trashing it. I, and, and just uh, full disclosure, I, I absolutely uh, detest Slack. <laughs>
0: and, and also full disclosure, Slack is our inner office communication. Uh, yeah. But if you want to talk to Don, you walk over to Don. <laughs> I, I do. I do launch I Slack at least once a day. I can't get it to
1: launch. I can't get it I, to launch. I'm doing I, better than her. I know. So <laughs> I'm right. gonna. Just
0: aren't you in their... charge of this don who why is that our, our no i shouldn't be office? in charge of that no way but why is this we're, our we're office we're slowly trying chat. to migrate n- n- well, well, to teams. teams everybody else loves it there's right? just they, very low buy in at the, this time the gif in time. integration is second to none uh, you know if you're going to show some
2: uh, <laughs> gifies does teams does teams have <laughs> gif support i'm sure it yeah. does Oh, well then i'm fine okay I don't know. also Actually, I, I put that animated GIF of Nate in there, and it didn't animate. Oh, okay. Mm. I really haven't well, tried. Well, yeah, so. maybe Take not. a screenshot just, of the animated I'm GIF. I'm trying to get more buy-in. <laughs> so, anyway. Anyway, you're using, using TV as an example, though, the majority of the employees here love Slack. They use it all the time. Uh, but Slack has had a bit of a sordid history. Do you guys remember um, probably about five years ago they got breached? And it was like a super breach, everything, usernames, passwords, it was really messages. early on for them. Yeah. So, yeah. E- everything. It was a full mega breach of Slack. Yeah. Uh, obviously, they recovered because they're doing great. They're raising tons of money. Uh, and so now they're looking for more markets to be able to reach into, and they're looking at healthcare. And immediately for me, big red flag right. pops up is you're going to talk about patients, That right. you got medical records and data. And here's a company that had a mega super breach just a few years ago, and now you're going to stick medical data in there. Um, also I'll with Slack, that. they have some really weird rules in there. Like I, I'm actually, I don't think I'm an administrator on our Slack account, but if I was, let's pretend for a moment that I, I am. Um, if I'm an administrator on my Slack account and Peter, you send a private message to Cherokee, there's no way for me to see that. God. That even even administrators I, don't I have access to the data. There was. I was like, everybody's
1: <laughs> reading all these messages. So, <laughs> so,
2: with Slack, you don't, no, I'm, I'm not lying. Like, you literally don't have a way to be able to pull that up. Mm-hmm. So, how are you supposed to show that you have control over patient data when you can't even show that you have access to all the data in the first place? Like, it just seems really weird. Uh, but they say they're, they're working on becoming HIPAA compliant. Uh, and it says right now that uh, Slack is only HIPAA compliant for file uploads and not yet for direct messaging, which I imagine. Is a reference to exactly what I was just mm-hmm. talking about. So uh, I, I see this as a recipe for disaster. I I can't imagine hospitals will jump on this. But hey, if there's 3.5 trillion dollars being invested in in health IT, then it might behoove the, the the Slack engineers to kind of retool the product and make it work a little bit differently to, to meet those needs. Have we considered tweaking IT Pro TV to be
0: healthcare focused? I mean, 3.5 trillion <laughs> on the table. Huh? Let's <laughs> Let's, let's get, get rid in of on training this. training garbage. <laughs> all right. Uh, this is a fun story next uh, from Gizmodo.com. Uh, cops insist that Waze users stop snitching oh. on DWI checkpoints. I know Cherokee has some hot takes on this one, but, uh, <laughs> but Donnie. We all uh, know
1: how we feel about snitches. Yeah. They, uh, <laughs> that, I believe snitches, the article references stitches. that as well. <laughs> uh,
0: um, but uh, yeah, Gizmodo always has a fun uh, take on these stories, but so so basically, for those that, that aren't aware, in in ways uh, you can alert other users when you when you see a cop, uh, you know, that's mm-hmm. um, at a speed trap or something like that, and so obviously uh, checkpoints uh, are uh, you know a big thing that people would report as well. Um, how is this any different than? Calling your friends and saying, hey, there's a checkpoint at such and such. Cause I, I, I remember people used well, to I do Well, I mean, that. I
1: don't have a network of friends that large. I mean, maybe that would be the take on it because – And
2: they're too drunk to answer the phone <laughs> anyway. Yeah. yeah,
1: that's it. Um, I don't know. Yeah. yeah.
2: I, I guess it, I guess it's the, the reach, right? You know, mm-hmm. if, if one person posts something on Waze – Then it is seen by thousands, tens of thousands of other people versus, you know, if you're calling your your drunk friends. So (laughs) so there's that. They have been doing this for a long time. Like Waze has done it for a long time. So I was I was really curious about why this is all of a sudden a news item. Like why why did the NYPD just now reach out and ask them to stop? And I I have a theory on this. I have no factual evidence to back this up. Perfect. But just last week, Google announced that they were gonna start introducing uh speed limit reporting as well as other user posted alerts inside of Google Maps. And so now some of this data is making the leap because you know Google owns Waze. So mm-hmm. some of the data is making the leap from Waze into Google Maps. Uh, I wonder if maybe the NYPD is more concerned that that this data is now going to be in an app that has even greater reach because you know Google Maps is installed by default on any Android phone. Well, if it's part of the Google environment. Uh Versus ways that you have to actively go and install. So maybe Great, this does not so now I'm gonna
1: it. have to go buy a jammer. A jammer. <laughs> what do they have? Right, those little radar detectors. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah
2: I, I guess
1: remember. it's is it a jammer? I think a jammer like, is illegal. They... Well, is I was legal. gonna say I don't know. I've never had one. So yeah, they used
0: to have radar detectors like in, in high school. and those, yeah. those are legal. But and
2: it, well, radar detectors are legal here in Florida, but yeah, not, not like in every I think it's, is it South Carolina where they're illegal? I'm not sure,
0: but I, yeah, I know I, I remember hearing yeah if you go across. State lines. Plus, sure I've check. also
1: heard that if you get pulled over for some other infraction and they see that, then you're more likely to get there, it's probably thrown at you. Yeah, yeah,
0: it's, it's probably not appreciated. But this makes me think about um, there was the law in Florida recently. You know how if you if you passed a, a cop doing a a, a speed uh, speed trap, you would flash your lights then at other people coming mm-hmm. the other way to let them know to slow down. That was illegal for the longest time hmm. in illegal. Florida. Illegal. Because oh, they I would did say, that. "Oh yeah, everyone did." <laughs> because they were <laughs> saying <laughs> that um, the the way it was written on the books was like you were impersonating a police officer by having flashing lights, hmm. and so that's how that. And so oh, that's pretty lame. F- Someone finally challenged. I think it was you know the Morgan and Morgan uh, people challenged it finally and said, "Hey,
2: we are for <laughs> the people." If, if you're
0: gonna make up this law to stop this, you know, at least say what you're actually doing. And so that the law was taken off the books. Hmm. Seems like it
2: would be aiding and abetting, right? Yeah. Known, you're, more under you're, that I don't know that that person is a is a well, known criminal. You're not helping somebody commit a crime, you're helping somebody uncommit a crime, right? Like slow down. Yeah, and at the end of the day, <laughs> the the That's a
0: good speeding, deed, right? Yeah, dear, I'm helping. The, at the end of the day, the point of all this is to stop people from speeding. It's not to make revenue. Yeah, if if there yeah. if, if there's a a city that's relying on speeding ticket revenue for their Budget than which that has happened before, the, yeah, yeah. Waldo yeah, <laughs> right up the road exactly. here, yeah. We had a, a big speed trap, uh, that what turned out to be a extremely corrupt, yeah. They uh, got in uh, trouble for well. having uh, having ticket quotas, quotas yeah, yep. Yeah. 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 All right, well, you thought that story was ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> the next one is a little bit crazy, it's sad, uh, as well, but it also uh, points to a, a much bigger issue. This one is on the fair and balanced uh, foxnews.com. Uh, be sure to check that out. Uh, death, dogs, and a missing $190 million. The strange case of a crypto exchange. How did the dogs Oh, God, spin? how am I supposed to say that name? Quad- quadriga CX?
2: Uh, it Quadriga.
0: Yeah, let's go with that. But uh, <laughs> so the, the the big thing that, that drew me to this story, too, and Don, you found this as well, is that uh, the, um, the head of this uh, cryptocurrency exchange uh, passed away back in December in India um, young guy, 30 years old, but he was the only one with the password controlling $190 million of cryptocurrency. And they've been trying to brute force their way in. And I have so out. many other questions. There's a like, lot of questions. Yeah, like, <laughs> you <laughs> want to know one, about the dogs.
1: I want to know how the dogs fit in. I want to know did he know he was going to die? And I want it to It was kn-
0: complications from Crohn's disease. So uh, he was not. In
1: the best of health. So he should have had a contingency again, plan.
2: Again, on a, on a post it. Yeah, yeah. Right. There. <laughs> so, so he he had Crohn's disease, uh, which is a you know, it's a, uh, it's, a it's, it's a terrible thing, and and they they have various surgeries to try to fix it, but there, there is no cure, at least not that I'm aware of. Uh, so he did know that his his life was not guaranteed. Uh, so he had a will, and uh-huh. in his will, this is where the dogs come in. He had Hmm. set aside, here we go, $100,000 for his two pet chihuahuas. Oh, my god! So he was (laughs) thinking far ahead enough to protect his chihuahuas, but not far enough to say, I'm the only one that has this private key, and I'm not going to tell anyone. Well,
1: does he have family? Because I would be afraid if I was his family at that point. I mean, if you have people who are dealing in Bitcoin, some of them aren't always the stand-up kind of individuals, and now you... Basically, stolen their money. Well,
2: what? if we go a step further, though, it is just Bitcoin, so it's not real money anyway. So- <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I think I've cracked this.
0: So remember, in Men in Black, they said the uh, the, the secret is in Orion's belt,
2: and it was the cat's. Oh,
1: so collar. In the Chihuahua. The Do the Chihuahuas
2: key? hold the key? Hmm. Maybe. You're <laughs> and you're- you know, honestly, the, the private keys that you use to like seal a wallet, uh, most of them are pretty long. And it's not something you memorize in your head. Also, I guess it was his business. So if it was his business, maybe he would. It's got to be somewhere then. Yeah, you you,
0: you got to put that somewhere. But this this makes me think. Uh, reminds me back when when Bitcoin surged um, really high when it was over what ten fifteen thousand dollars something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had our uh, revelation on the, on this very podcast that Don oh. has Bitcoin <laughs> that he has no idea what the password is uh, to the yeah. wallet anymore, yeah. and and made me think about how much money is out there that uh, that people might have just forgotten, and and. Or just lost the password. I mean, like you people forget and
1: lose passwords all the time, so it's totally. And that
0: really upset me, Don. Like after hearing that, I was like, "But (laughs) there's all that money!" And I was like thinking of, "Well, how do do we find this?" But then Bitcoin tanked, and so I I really wasn't an issue anymore. But
2: yeah, because at the time, I, I intentionally have thrown away at least two Bitcoin. Uh, over the years and at its peak, I mean that was worth almost forty thousand dollars. It's a lot of money, which I just threw away. But it, it had no value then. It really has no value now, but uh we pretend it does. So uh <laughs> thing about Bitcoin though is that once a coin is burned, like once it's it's lost, it's gone forever. You can't bring it back into circulation. You know, it, it's like if you if you take a quarter and you melt it, then that's it. it. It's gone. You can't get that quarter back. But in Bitcoin, a lot of people think hey it's just a digital number, can't we just Type the number again. It's right there in the in the ledger, but no, it, it has that that documented trail of where it's gone, and, and once it's stuck in a place, it's just stuck there forever. So and there's know. no governing body to to appeal to to say, hey, I lost my password. Can you help me out? Like you could at the bank right. or something. <laughs> no, nope. it's it's reason. your responsibility. <laughs> yeah, and and actually, you know, I don't. I wonder if I can find it here. Uh, there's a website that's doing a, a countdown to uh, the last Bitcoin. Uh, that there, there is a, a finite amount of Bitcoin, oh, and so based
0: on on the rate that they're being found, they're calculating. This? Yeah,
2: and and at some point they will find the last yeah. one, and I'm 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 not. Yeah, that either. would be interesting um, to know. Countdown to when Don finds the website as well. Uh, you know, I, my Google <laughs> foo is weak on this one. Nine. Um, I'd I'd go to Bing. Yeah, oh, this Eight. is the Bitcoin having countdown. That's not the same, but okay, never mind. Uh, yeah, so there are seventeen point five million bitcoins in circulation right now, and the total is twenty one million. So there's only three and a half million more bitcoin to be minted, and then once that's it, that's it. There there can't be any more bitcoins unless they fork into some new currency. Now, does that so. do you think that at at that point we're going to see a drop
0: in? Uh in malware and things where people are like, well, I don't need to take over all these armies of computers anymore. I mean, there are other cryptocurrencies yeah. out there as well. Obviously, the people be
2: mining for when the when the last Bitcoin is mined, then there there won't be any point in mining it anymore. But it's going to take a long time for that to happen yeah. because that that actually that website that I found uh, unintentionally the Bitcoin halving, which I, I'm saying terribly because I don't pronounce things well, but H uh, A L V I N G halving, ah, halving okay. you know, cutting in half. Um, The way that it works is every couple of years, and the next one's going to happen in uh, about a year and a half, uh, they basically cut the reward from mining a Bitcoin in half. So it becomes 50% less profitable to mine every two years. And what happens is that slows down mining. People aren't going to invest money in it like they have been, uh, and it gets slower and slower. So it'll take a long time to finally reach that last bit. Uh, But once it does, that's it. There's not going to be any more... So uh, are we going to
1: see eBay being flooded with, like, GPUs and all this extra hardware? That's
0: kind of already <laughs> happening right now. Well, the, yeah. they don't – the people don't own the GPUs.
2: <laughs> They're using oh, other for, people. for that. But, yeah, I
1: mean, there probably are some people yeah. legitimate people who have sure. their own farms. So
2: a, NVIDIA just reported a huge st- – uh, um, earnings report, where it wasn't huge, that they were missing all of their earnings marks. Mm. And a lot of it was because of reduced demand for Bitcoin, and their stock has tumbled from that. Uh, AMD has seen a little bit, but NVIDIA was affected the most. And so that that's already happening. Yeah. Interesting. It's fun to think about the uh, unintended the consequences trickle effect of these of things. The trickle of Bitcoin, yeah. 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 But the point that we want to double back to here is that uh, this guy just basically Died. took $190 million to the grave. So when they say yeah. that you can't take it with you, he certainly did. Yeah, and I mean they're money. trying. They're trying to
0: figure it out. But I mean, imagine if you're an investor in this. I mean, it wasn't his 190 million dollars. It was it was the their investors' money. So yeah. Uh, so I wonder if, if the Chihuahuas will be okay. I know I, that's I, what I'm they, thinking. They, they need fine. protection. <laughs> got a hundred thousand dollars. Are they going to so take that money. money
2: though? Like, will the Chihuahuas get?
1: They need security I if that's
2: guards. Protected or not? Yeah, yeah. the yeah. company. I mean.
0: it difference between the company and the personal estate. I'm I don't know. It's we'll so like rats with bug eyes. Okay. I have a Trowa. <laughs> he's morbidly obese. <laughs>
1: oh, nice. He doesn't even look like a Trowa.
0: So
2: a morbidly obese rat with <laughs> bug I've eyes. never seen a Fat Chihuahua. <laughs> I kind of want to Google that, but I, I know the potential <laughs> things that could come up if right. you search for Fat Chihuahua. Next
0: week. <laughs> hey, but we're not done. We're, we're, we're done with the news segment, but we actually do have a great interview with Christian Brinkhoff, who is a Microsoft MVP. He also um, has his own consulting company and works at FS Logics. And as uh, Cherokee has uncovered, he... Uh, has many many things that he does i think
1: only like five people in the world have the collection of accolades or awards that he has so that's like really impressive
0: well let's get into that and take a look at that Uh, but we're going to do that right after this on technado so stay tuned
3: enjoying technado then be sure to check out ignite another podcast from the pro tv network Ignite highlights stories of leadership as
2: host Vicki Guy interviews a new business person each week. Learn more at itpro.tv
3: slash podcasts.
0: All right, welcome back to TechNado. And as promised, we've got a great interview for you here. I think we're kind of becoming the place now where... Uh, Microsoft MVPs know that, uh, that you want to come. The TechNATO is the place uh, where everyone wants to get the word out. So uh, we've got a great one all the way from the Netherlands. Christian Brinkhoff is joining us. Christian, how are you doing today?
3: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, guys.
0: Yeah, definitely. So uh, can you just uh, let the, the viewers and listeners know a little bit about, uh, about yourself, what, uh, what it is you do now?
3: Yeah, so I'm Christian Brinkhoff and I'm uh, currently working as a cloud architect and technology evangelist for a company called Avis Logic's, uh, which is uh, previously three months ago acquired by Microsoft. Uh, so that is what I mainly do, and besides that, I'm also uh, an owner of my own company, which is called ChristianWrinkov.com IT Consulting, uh, where I do some yeah side stuff as well, uh, designing reviews, uh, anything which is like particular to cloud computing. So.
0: Yeah. Great. So I know the, the Microsoft MVP program is not uh, Microsoft employees. It's people that you know, are heavy users and, and evangelists in the space. But wait, are, so are, are you technically a Microsoft employee now with the, <laughs> with the acquisition? Um, no. Or? Okay.
3: No, no, no. So uh, before the acquisition, I was uh, a contractor for Avis Logics, and that's still the thing. So that makes it possible to still be active in that MVP program. So I'm still uh, working as part of my own company for uh, technically uh, Microsoft, but under uh, yeah the this, this same uh, company called Logic. So that that's still the same uh, construction, let's say, like that. So, gotcha. yeah, that makes it easier. Yeah,
0: Makes sense. So for those that aren't familiar with the MVP program, can you tell us a little bit about um, what's involved with that and how you became a part of it?
3: Yeah, so the MVP program is the uh, Microsoft Valuable Professional Program uh, which uh, can uh, be achieved by people in the community to to do good stuff for Microsoft which is like acknowledged by Microsoft uh, and in giving that award uh, as part of that uh, contributions which can be presentations uh, on local user groups vendors uh, or conferences uh, or or just blog posts or or webcasts uh, like this or podcasts uh, without uh, without video so that that yeah, can, can be like the goal to achieve that. But for me, it was never like a goal. It was more like an um, yeah accomplishment that I gave after I, I started blogging like three years ago. Uh, and our, and our, like an, a colleague in the MVP community uh, named me or like nominated me as an MVP. And that uh, eventually made me like the MVP. So it, it was like never a goal, but after becoming an MVP, It was like a roller coaster, and it gave me a lot of yeah good opportunities in in my personal and business life as well. So yeah, yeah, and I know. Great to be part of it.
0: Yeah, and I know Cherokee uh, took a lot of a lot of notes and and went back through your entire uh, history. But you you were saying Cherokee, (laughs) he's he's also got.
1: Yeah, some so, uh, some
0: elite certification there.
1: And correct me if I'm wrong, Christian, but maybe like comparable accolades to an MVP would be also from other vendors, Citrix for a CTP for your exactly. Citrix, Citrix, excuse me, technology professional, as well as a VMware, a V expert. So that's that's pretty amazing. Yeah, how and do you we, how
0: do you find the time? It's our question.
1: Yeah, that's
3: that's the most obvious question that I get as well. <laughs> uh, but but yeah. Uh, Making like uh, combinations between different solutions uh, can make it possible to to do things together and combine presentations, for example, uh, that are uh, based on different technologies, and that yeah makes it possible to uh, to do all the th- things together and combine them. So so you need to be like a little bit smart with your with your free time uh, to uh, to do that all side by side. Yeah, that's true. Sort of
1: So I think being smart with your free time is a bit, you're being humble here. It's a bit of an understatement because I looked at your accomplishments in 2018 and then your roadmap for 2019. And seriously, by the time I was done reading that list, I was exhausted just from reading (laughs) that. So that's really impressive. And I mean, not only that, but you state that you had a newborn in
3: 2018. So that's a lot going on. (laughs) yeah that's definitely true and i have a lovely wife that supports me in everything that i do and uh, like like a big benefit of that community work that i do uh, makes it like uh, for me uh, possible to to have my wife only working for one day in a week so she can mainly take care of the child right now so that's like that part of doing yeah smart things with free time as well with like Uh, the balance with my with my personal life so so yeah it's 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 busy but i like what i do i'm very passionate about like innovation and cloud computing and yeah that makes it like not never like the feeling that i'm actually working so that that yeah makes me like uh yeah i i i go through barriers that probably other people uh yeah will stop because it consumes too much time or it's too intense and kind of energy so so yeah, that definitely helps. with that kind of work to achieve that.
0: So, so you mentioned uh, cloud computing. Is that kind of where you uh, focus uh, most of your stuff right now? Yeah. Can you tell us yeah. a little bit about the projects you're working on?
3: Yeah, exactly. So uh, I, I worked uh, like like eight years ago for companies that are mainly focused on desktop virtualization, and that was and still are yeah my my main focus. But uh, like three four years ago, when uh, Microsoft Azure. Uh, yeah evolved in the big cloud platform what it is right now uh, i started mainly focus on uh, focusing on on desktop virtualization based on uh, public clouds so that made me like now in in a, in a microsoft azure mvp and all the other accolades are focused on cloud computing as well and uh, yeah combining that 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 technology with with all those solutions uh, makes it uh, yeah, what I am right now in, in in terms of all the accolades and the projects that I'm currently working on are all focused on cloud as well. So that it's it's mostly focused on desktop as a service, which is like the uh, the platform as a service version of previous on premises desktop virtualization technologies such as Citrix or RDS, for example. So that's like the transition that we are in right now. It's moving away from that uh, on premise perpetual licensing. Desktop uh, virtualization environment that is all managed by the by their own uh, IT department, own responsibilities. Moving over, transitioning to a cloud uh, platform control plane offering uh, that is based on 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 technologies that are uh, yeah similar to the on premises version, but now in in a managed version. So the vendor is taking care of that control plane uh, instead of you doing doing it yourself in your IT department. So yeah.
1: Like you said, we are in this crazy transformation period right now, and just trying to keep up with all the different products. I know Microsoft originally, like in 2017, had launched their RDMI for the remote desktop modern infrastructure, and then we saw that kind of shift towards more of the, uh, you know, Windows as a service. And I personally find it difficult sometimes just to retrain my brain from that traditional um, on-premises infrastructure thinking, and I have to think kind of outside the box. And I found a. Qu- Quote on your blog and it was really a kind of like, I resonated with it. It says the world is going through one of the most impressive digital workspace transitions right now. So for you to be doing what you do in this space and be consulting with individuals, helping them find a solution for their companies. Uh, how did you get started in that? It just seems kind of natural, but I'm kind of curious to see yeah. what made you, like you said, make that, um, decision hey i'm gonna go off onto my own and start this consulting
3: business yeah exactly so so one thing that you mentioned around idmi is the involvement of that project uh to windows virtual desktop and that is announced during ignite last year of the microsoft conference and the windows virtual desktop is the new desktop offering from inside azure uh, which is as well a platform as a service solution so uh, what is yeah, like game changing or different from an on-premises uh, environment or RDS environment is like that control plane part that I mentioned before uh, that is like managed by Microsoft. You don't need to update your brokering servers or your web access, your, your, uh, your, your web server uh, login portal uh, system for example. And that is something that, that Microsoft never did before and uh, one thing that is uh, interesting as well is like that acquisition that I'm, I'm part of, uh, of Logics, which is like the, the products that will be uh, mandatory available from inside that service as well. And uh, when you talk about like, uh, what do I have to do or what is like the transition for my company, I'm still using like, for example, on-premises services and I want to move to the cloud. Uh, then then the, the big and important thing for your company is like uh, what are my applications right now uh, do I have or do I need uh, to launch applications on a platform or do I use uh, mostly SaaS applications software as a service for example so that transition from uh, from win32 apps for example to uh, to SaaS apps modern apps that is some something that is very interesting uh, to, to watch right now and to 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 do as company, uh, but as well, like the desktop virtualization part uh, that can be, uh, yeah, like achieving the same benefit as well as for your applications, uh, but then on the desktop side. So you move over to Azure, for example, your control plane will be managed by the vendor, by Microsoft, so you only need to take care uh, of your images and your applications based on, uh, that are installed based on that image as well. And the infrastructure side will be managed by the cloud as well, as part of that infrastructure as a service environment that you, uh, yeah, that you use for for deploying your services. So,
1: great. And you also have a heavy focus on running, let's say, like uh, Citrix on Azure as well.
3: Yeah, exactly. So Citrix is doing uh, another great job in in that control plane offering as well. So they have their own offering from inside Citrix Cloud and C2 Cloud is their control plane and uh, other services option that you can uh, use to, uh, to overcome and to uh, simplify the management uh, layer of your, of your desktop virtualization environment. So yeah, they're do doing a similar job and uh, they as well uh, have, uh, have announced a product that is uh, based on that Windows Virtual Desktop. So they extend that offering from Microsoft based on Azure on that Windows Virtual Desktop offering. Uh, as part of, of a new DES offering that they uh, will deliver uh, yeah, uh, mid-2019 or Q3 2019, something like that. So really interesting times to be uh, active in the DES virtualization space right now uh, and to see all those involvements, all those acquisitions and all those movements because we are now like uh, part of like the transition phase that companies are deciding what their strategy will be in the next five to ten years, for example. So that that's like that uh, yeah, that, that describes a bit of that quote that you mentioned uh, yeah, earlier, that, that we are part of that transition. So it's now that the that time that, that people or businesses are deciding what their strategy will be, what their cloud platform will be, or what multi-cloud platforms they will be using in a hybrid manner as well uh, for the next five to 10 years. So, you know.
1: Most definitely. I mean, if you're not going to go ahead and acknowledge and plan and start that now, you're going to become, your organization and even individuals just become irrelevant. So, uh, you know, and I'm sure anyone in tech knows you get into this exactly. field, you're just going to continue to, to learn and evolve with everything so you can, you know.
3: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, you need to you need to educate yourself. You need to watch uh, Yeah, every video, every demo, what you can. Uh, watch to gain in knowledge to to make like decisions easier for you to have like a broader view of what the market is doing because otherwise yeah you you will be yeah running uh, running behind uh, all the other people that do it so so yeah that's that's definitely one tip for me to to the people that watch this uh that, that podcast is like uh, yeah lear, learn and 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 yeah, do uh, whatever you can to keep up with uh, with the technology and innovation around, uh, around cloud and desktop virtualization. Yeah.
1: So Christian, I know um, I don't know if you know where Gainesville, Florida, is. That's where we're located. But Ignite in Orlando is not very far. So I'm really excited to see that you're going to be speaking at Ignite for 2019. Do you already have a topic chose, or do you have something? Um, is it a secret yeah. or?
3: So I, I'm currently uh, having like like three, four presentations prepared, and like and like my uh, my my backup uh, yeah like backup, backup uh, schedule to, to 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 present on events like in, uh, Ignite. So it will probably be like something around Windows Virtual Desktop or all the other desktop a service offerings that are available uh, inside Azure, because my main focus is Azure, because I believe that Azure will be the platform to. Uh, yeah, to to eventually launch uh, your your services, your platform services, because that's the yeah the, the most broadest uh, platform uh, that yeah that can 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 deliver the most services that is a, that are available from the marketplace. Uh, so so yeah, that will be definitely something that you can uh, yeah can see from me on uh, on Ignite in uh, in two thousand nineteen this year. Yeah.
0: Uh, Do you do any of the uh, Ignite tours over uh, in Europe? I I know, I think we're going to, uh, not us personally, unfortunately, (laughs) uh, but some of our team is going to the one over in London uh, in a few weeks, and I think there's one in Amsterdam too.
3: Yeah, I was uh, invited to speak on the one in Africa, in Johannesburg, but I unfortunately uh, had another event that I uh, had to do. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm probably lined up for uh, S- Stockholm, uh, and, um, yeah, maybe Dubai as well, but I'm, I'm still waiting for confirmation on that. Uh, Amsterdam, unfortunately not because, uh, on that week I'm at the MP summit in Seattle.
0: I was going to say that you, you don't go to the one that's just <laughs> yeah. a train right away. You think about Africa and, and the Middle East, but that's crazy. Hey, I, I want to ask yeah. a question about something you said a second ago. Um, normally, uh, Don Bazette is involved, uh, in these podcasts and I know this is the question that he would ask. Um, because we've talked about it a lot. So uh, in, in Azure, I know that, that uh, a lot of the, the uh, machines now are, are, are running Linux even more, more so than, than Windows. And, and so Don talks a lot about you know, how that training is important now to, to make sure you're, you're not just one-sided. Um, it, it, but he, he has a prediction that, uh, that there will be a Microsoft Linux distribution by the end of 2019. And I'm curious if, uh, if you think he's right
3: um i i know i don't know for sure i mostly work on on like windows based machines but i know that microsoft since the uh uh replacement of steve Ballmer by Satya Nadella, um yeah t- things that were not possible before that are are now possible so yeah i am it, it could be possible that that could happen yeah so i now do a room. lot of stuff <laughs> yeah he has yeah. totally you know, yeah <laughs> that
0: yeah he's got i don't know he's got nine or ten <laughs> ten months left or so to, to see
3: yeah and and if he lo- loses what is what is like the, the I don't thing know. That we needs never really discussed that, Peter. well he made this prediction last
0: year as well for 2018 and it didn't come true and he just renewed <laughs> yeah. it again so I <laughs> think so he's just assuming <laughs> yeah. it, that uh, that Microsoft just just running slow so uh, he'll, I'm sure he'll renew it in 2020 again
1: so. <laughs> uh, Christian so I was um you know, before this interview, I had to do a little cyber stalking and I was poking around your blog and I came across something that I found really interesting. I think that our viewers would benefit from. And I wanted to ask you, um, you have a cheat sheet on on your website and I have it up on my screen here. I don't know if, um, but it's christianbrinkhoff.com. And... I love cheat sheets. Like I think they're amazing because you get a quick glance of important information, especially for comparisons. Like you've done right here, looking at the different workspace and desktop as a service models. Um, do you have anything in the works where you know something that I think maybe our be- our viewers would benefit from or appreciate?
3: Uh, so th- this is like the uh, yeah a very good starting point. So when you are in the discovering phase and uh, what my desktop virtualization. Uh, desktop as a service offering, or uh, next step will be. Uh, it, this is a very good starting point for that. So there, you can see like the main changes between those different solutions that are available in Azure right now. And uh, next to that, I'm currently working on a new blog post uh, that is covering uh, Azure storage services in combination with desktop as a service solutions. So. Uh, to like overcome and to replace the need for file services in Azure, so to use like the built-in services to eventually save money and to gain in and like features, replication uh, features, and snapshot backups, every every service that the storage accounts can deliver right now. Uh, and besides that, I'm also working on a book project right now, which is called uh, the uh, book project bytesize.com where people from the community so everywhere uh, when you are like active in the cloud uh, computing uh, community mvp or any other vendor right now can contribute to that book and we will uh, publish a book in the next uh, 120 days uh, to a physical book where we list all those quotes recommendations uh, input from people inside uh, the community uh, yeah to to an actual free free uh, physical book so so that's that's the next uh, project that I'm working on uh, besides my blogging and my presentation work together with uh, with another uh, well-known name in the desktop fertilization uh, community, Bas from CAM, which is also from the Netherlands. So, so yeah, quite uh, quite uh, uh, amazing to see how many uh, contributions we already uh, received from uh, from the community right now. So, it will probably be a, a 200 plus page uh, page book. So.
0: Wow. And uh, we're, we're talking with Christian Brinkhoff, and, and you can actually find a link to that book as well on on the website, christianbrinkhoff.com. Uh, but I wanted to ask you about another thing on your site as well. In addition to the cheat sheets, you've got a couple of survival guides, uh, Office 365 and, and Azure. So uh, kind of what, is, what does that help people with?
3: Yeah, so uh, as part of, of uh, Avid Logix, uh, we deliver uh, software products for uh, desktop virtualization uh, uh, environments so and one of the main challenges that is active right now is uh, using office 365 products on top of desktop virtualization environments and i wrote as a vital guide on my blog which covers almost all those challenges so uh, if you are running uh, like a desktop virtualization environment and you are uh, uh, leveraging office 365 service, services or plan to do that in the next like 12 months then that uh, survival guide will definitely help you uh, to give guidance what to do uh, when you implement this or that in your environment so so that is like the main purpose why i created that survival guides and i have another survival guide that has like a top 10 uh, cost savings in azure to to have like the best uh, and the cheapest uh, environment possible in in azure by using certain amount of services that are available in azure
0: so this is normally the part of the uh, the show where I would ask you uh, where people can find out more, but I know we've been talking about your site now. So that's over at uh, christianbrinkoff.com, and that's got the information uh, about the book as well where people can find that. Uh, any any other ways uh, you'd like people to connect with you, Twitter, LinkedIn, anything um, like that?
3: Yeah, I'm as well very active on Twitter. where I share almost every uh, like news article that I find uh, interesting to share with my uh, followers, and that can be found at uh, Brinkoff underscore uh, C. So if you want to connect, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter as well.
0: Sounds good. We'll share the links for that. Definitely. And, and uh, I, I know, well, we'll be at, at Ignite uh, when it comes uh, to Orlando again. And it's in Orlando again, right? Yes. Yeah. And I know Cherokee will be first in line. Yeah. Uh, at- <laughs> at your talk or or four talks.
1: I will. I'm usually liking all of my friends and people I know I'm like in the front row, like clapping before they get started. I get so, I geek out. Yeah.
0: Distracting. You're distracting. (laughs) I'm distracting. distracting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, Christian, I I want to say thank you uh, so much for taking the time today. I know it's, uh, well, it's later in the day uh, over there than it is here. So you're, you're just wrapping up. Well, you're not wrapping up. You're, you probably got couple talks tonight a few more
1: hours yeah i at least like so but. i i
3: need i need to pack my bags i fly to seattle tomorrow so oh fun that's that, what i uh, <laughs> what i need to do that's a short <laughs> flight yeah that's an easy one yeah So only 11 hours yeah so.
0: <laughs> well uh thank you so much for taking the time with us today and uh and and hopefully uh we can reconnect again in the future does that sound good
3: yeah sure let's All do right. that so thank you for having me and uh, yeah have a great show
0: all right. And thank you, everyone, for watching. But we've got more coming up, so stay tuned to TechNATO. All right. Welcome back to TechNATO. And thank you so much, Christian, for joining us and uh, and Don for giving up your seat to, to Cherokee and magically disappearing um, during that as well. That was
2: It was easy because I, I could sneak in and out during the wardrobe change. Oh, perfect. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. Because <laughs> this all happens
0: live very yes. quickly. But uh, in that break that you just saw, a uh, little commercial um, for those of you watching, we had, uh, we talked about our iOS app. There's actually a lot of uh, updates to the IT Pro TV iOS app uh, that I'd like to mention real quick. Um, if you've ever used uh, IT Pro TV on the desktop, you've seen uh, where you can adjust the playback speed so you can make Don sound drunk by Slowing him way down, or speed him up, and uh, sound like he's on on uppers. Chipmunk. So, a Chipmunk. Yeah, that's true as well. It well it doesn't really do like the high voice thing, but no, they do. They do pitch correction. They do, yeah, yeah, it does the the pitch thing, brings it back down, but it does sound fun. Um, so you can do that now in the iOS app. Um, we've uh, you know uh, taken a look at any any bugs and, and cleared those out as well, and we've got uh, uh, more clear icon choices and things like that. So um, definitely, if you Uh, are using the app on iOS updated. And uh, if you didn't know that was available, go ahead and check that out as well, uh, because that is a great, thing uh, that you can use. Also want to let you know about a couple of things. Uh, first of all, we've got an offer uh, over there at IT Pro TV. so if you don't know what I'm talking about and you want to sign up for IT Pro ITProTV, uh, head over to go.itpro.tv slash technado. Uh, we've got a, a link for a seven-day free trial, uh, also a promo code if you do go ahead and sign up, as well as uh, the ability to request a demo for your teams. Uh, And finally, want to let you know about some webinars coming up. We just had uh, one last week that Don did, about uh, five common questions about starting an IT career. Uh, That's up in the archive now. So, if you head over to itpro.tv slash webinars, uh, you can actually uh, view all those old ones, the ones that that we've done in the past. Uh, The next one coming up is actually on Valentine's Day. So, uh, if you're like me, you know, Looking looking for for IT romance. Yeah, you've got it. (laughs) Uh, We've got Get Hired in IT, five hacks for your LinkedIn profile. Uh, Andrew Winchester, who
2: is our career coach here, is going to be doing that one with West. Brown. We should have named that one, uh, your love life is failing, but your career doesn't have to be. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Or your, your career that's is great. failing. Let's get it back on track. Swipe right on a new job. Aww. There you go, I'm oh, really sad I don't sometimes. want to write this stuff
0: <laughs> down. That's, that's I know. I'm, I'm like marketing gold today. Yeah, I got to remember that. But... Uh, Hey, thank you guys uh, so much uh, today. And, yeah. and thanks, Cherokee, for, for popping in for not just the news, but for that interview. I know, uh, you know you're a, a Microsoft geek, so yeah. I, know, I know you enjoyed that. I did. And, you, and she's going to be, like we said, first in line for all of those Ignite talks uh, when it comes up in Orlando later this year. But thank you, all of you, for joining us as well. And we will see you next time right here on TechNATO.